The vocal was going to come in. That's right. Hey, Marconi. Yes. The best things in life are free. Yes. You can get them. <laughs> you can get them like the birds and bees with the birds and bees. No. That's, I don't think that's right. I am your professor, David Kirkthrope. This is Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio with Dr. Esteban. Marconi. This is the best show you're ever going to listen to at ever. At 8 p.m. on Wednesday. At 8 p.m. on this particular Wednesday night, yes. Year of Our Lord 2018. Yes. We have our amazing, uh, I'm just staring at her because she's so amazing, engineer. Her name is Ashley Veltner. Ashley Veltner. Hello, Ashley. She speaks with a German accent. And our guest is already calling in. And then we have Jaden Harding. Jaden yes. Harding. Hello, Jaden. From Wayne. From myself. From Wayne, Indiana, right? Nebraska. Nebraska. Wayne, Nebraska. Somewhere in the Midwest. Somewhere in the some generic Midwestern town. Right, of course. And uh, you're getting your MBA in the music and entertainment industry. Correct. Actually, what is the new name of our MBA program? MBA in? Music and Entertainment Management. Management. That's it. There we go. So that's what you're getting your degree in. When will you have your MBA in Music and Entertainment Management? Right now, I'm projected to graduate in spring of 19, so we got about a year left. All right, one year from now. All right, Jaden, don't drop out, baby. Well, that's good. So we're listening to Barrett Strong's Money, parentheses, uh -huh. That's What I Want, unparentheses. And we have a guest who's calling in who we will speak to in just a moment. Hang on, Liz. Her name is Liz Lewis, and she's from the Warner Music Group. We'll talk to her in a moment. We Let's see, what else do we want to know? Follow us on uh, Instagram, the Twitter, the, fest the book. At MusicBiz101WP, if you follow us on Facebook, we promise to use your private information in ways that you'll never find out about. Follow us on the podcast on iTunes and the SoundCloud. Sign up for our weekly newsletter, MusicBiz101WP and the .com. Hey, Marconi, mm. you want to give some thanks? I guess we should. Bow your head. Close your eyes, hands together. We give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management mm -hmm. with artists like Charlie Puff. Dave Matthews, Kith, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when it's best for you. We want to give our thanks to Christine Vey, a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Mm -hmm. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson University to manage their investments and plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan out for your retirement, or if you have questions on anything from investments from portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at, Jaden, repeat after me, 732 732 455 1510 1510 You can email her, Christine at oi Leave the last oi out for savings. That's right. We want to give a shout-out real quickly to Sprint. 
to Ruby's travel to Columbia Bank. We had a large, very large 80s fundraising event here at William Patterson University in which we actually pr produced the show, promoted the show, and we raised uh, over $12,000 for scholarships. Great. So we had some great help with that. Rob Fusari, Taylor Dane was here, Mark Goodman, Lori uh, Majewski from Sirius XM, Daryl, DMC McDaniels. So it was a big, big, and Chris Butler from The Waitresses. Big 80s show. Manny Junior Band, 6th edition, came out June 6th of 2017. It's still available. We haven't cut it out, have we, Marconi? No, it's not in cutouts yet. No cutouts. Pick it up, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, backwingstore.com right now. We also want you to go to Music Biz 2018. It's May 14th through the 17th in Nashville, the Tennessee town. And... All that's out of the way. Now we want to bring up our good, 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 good friend. Mm -hmm. Her name is Elizabeth Lewis. Elizabeth Lewis. Liz Lewis from Warner Music Group. Liz, how are Hello. you? Hi, good. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for taking four hours out of your evening to spend with us on the radio. Liz, it, yes. Liz is the VP, that stands for Vice Presidente, Creative Sync for Advertising and Gaming at Warner Brothers Records. I keep saying Warner Music Group. It's part of the Warner Music Group, but Warner Brothers Records. Correct. Liz, when, Correct. You, say, when you say brothers and Warner Brothers, do you actually say brothers? Do you say bros? Do you say, because it's really... We say brothers, but we spell it bros. It there is never spelled, the word is never spelled out. That is actually incorrect. So it's always spelled bros, but we say brothers. Okay. Let's go. Cool. And we are your bros right now for the next 50 minutes or so talking about the biz. All right. Great. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. Marconi. Yes. So have you, you, you remember you met Steve Marconi. We also have Jaden Harding here, who is our M getting an MBA in the music and entertainment management field. Hello, Liz. Hello. And Jaden is actually asked to be our student co-host tonight because he's interested in what you do. Mm-hmm. So, oh, great. So, yeah, like when we came up in October to Warner Music Group, like I saw your presentation and it, it was though as like the heavens opened up like on the projection screen and everything like the Hallelujah Chorus played and everything else. And it kind of made me realize like that's what I want to do because I've been kind of working throughout my degree, undergrad and grad, trying to figure out what I want to do in the biz. And when I saw that presentation, it kind of like ringed like a light bulb above your head or a doorbell whatever you want to call it <laughs> and that was pretty much like okay this is it this is what i want to work towards so i appreciate that and i thank you so much for that oh great that's so awesome that's so great to hear so liz um why don't we tell our listeners exactly what you do because the title may be a little uh, ambiguous to many yeah, so it's um, it's pretty simple to explain. Um, basically, I um, so I work in sync. There's many different um, areas of sync you can work in. Um, there's obviously music that's used everywhere in all different mediums, um, like in you know a film you may go see in a film trailer that you might see on TV um, or on a television show or in a commercial, um, or in a video game. So the part of sync that I work on here at Warner Brothers um, is in commercials and in video games. And basically what that means is that I am talking to all of the ad agencies across the country every day uh, about new campaigns that they're working on and what kind of music they're looking for for their campaigns. 
And then I go back to my catalog of music here and I pitch music to them from our roster of artists uh, to use, hopefully, in their commercial campaigns. And then I also do the same thing with the gaming companies. Um, a lot of the major gaming companies that you've heard of, like EA, they make Madden and um, you know NF NHL and a, a bunch of other um, amazing games and FIFA, which is, I think, one of the biggest selling video games right now. Um, and then um, I pitch our music to them because they actually put music in the soundtracks of their video games. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we had last year, actually, we had a composer from L.A. on, a friend of mine, that actually does the uh, original music in games. And he was talking about the, uh, well, two parts. Just number one, he was talking about the number of layers that are needed that you have to write for and secondly the amount of time that you have to write for and he says it's 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 almost inconceivable that one composer would do an entire game there's just too much music on it when you're uh talking to these people do you get a sense of uh the i guess the size of the project right off the bat or is it sort of a, um, you know, is there a music supervisor with games that determines sort of how much music and where the music is going to go? Yeah, I think, I mean, if we're talking about gaming specifically, there, yeah, there's music supervisors at the major gaming companies, um, and they... Um, usually have a number of songs that they know they want to place in the game. Mm -hmm. And from there, they go out and they try to find the right, the right music that's going to be, you know, those whatever 10 songs or 20 songs that are going to be in the game. Mm -hmm. And do, you, do they do, um, since I don't do games anymore, do they do a combination of original and some licensed music? It depends on the game. I would say that it, it's more likely that a game's either going to be just composed music or just licensed music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, like you, there's, there's certain games that um, just kind of lend themselves more to having kind of, a, you know, maybe an orchestral sound behind it or something like that, mm -hmm. um, where they would hire a composer to kind of make it to spec exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you are choosing... Um, is there a process that you go through when you're choosing what artist or what song that you uh, may own or have uh, that's going to be hooked up with, let's say, an advertisement? Yeah, so for advertisements, most of the time I'm getting a brief from an ad agency or a music supervisor that's been hired by an ad agency. Um, and that brief will give, a, like it says, a brief description of the type of music that they're looking for. Um, they can be very, you know, loose and vague, and they can also be very specific. You know, sometimes they go so far as to say if they want male or female vocals, um, the genre that they want, whether that's hip-hop or uh, dance music or rock. Um, and then sometimes they even get specific about certain instrumentations they're looking for. Um, like they'll say, you know, we want a guitar-driven song or we just want piano on this. Um, and then they also give indicators of a mood that they're looking for, whether they're looking for something 
ambient, something driving. Um, a big word right right now that's been used a lot is swagger. <laughs> that's <laughs> one we get a lot. Um, so, um, so yeah, any and all of those things can be included in a brief. And then um, I go, I take that as my guide, and then I, you know, I'm very familiar with all of our artists and their music, and I put a playlist together for them of the songs that I think sort of check all the boxes that they're looking for. Now, do you see a rough cut or a storyboard of of the ad itself prior? Usually not a rough cut. Um, I think I probably get picture from people maybe like twice a year. <laughs> when I do, it's the most amazing thing ever. It's so much better to actually work with picture and put each song against it to see if it works. Right. Um, but yeah, I will, you know, a lot of times it will just be sort of a like a one or two sentence uh, description of the creative of the ad. Mm -hmm. And then I would say maybe like 20% of the time they will send some sort of PDF that's got story boards or something, you know, photos or something a little bit more descriptive about the creative. Right. Now, if the product doesn't sell and they start blaming the advertisement or the jingle not being correct, do they also blame the music? I mean, that's never happened with anything I've done. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know of that happening. Um, I, I, I guess it's possible, but but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Well, you would, I mean, I would just be thinking out loud that certainly some campaigns are better than others. And some campaigns, of course, sell more or get the product out there better than others. I was just wondering if it gets back to somebody blaming the choice of soundtrack or whatever on it. I would say that 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 certainly could happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but that would never get back to me. That would just probably get back to the music supervisor or the creative director mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the agency and someone coming down on them for it. Um, and they would, would probably not tell me that. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I remember an example of that maybe five or six years ago with Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. I think she was endorsing like Fiat or something or, or, um, Maybe it was Fiat, a small, relatively inexpensive car. And she was saying, I'm just Jenny from the block. And there was a, a, a J-Lo song in the commercial. Mm -hmm. And she was heavily criticized because everybody was saying she would never drive this kind of car because she's not Jenny from the block anymore. She's a multi-multi-millionaire mm -hmm. who, who doesn't go to the neighborhood anymore. She's L.A.-based. She's no longer New York-based. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there I don't think, you know, I just remember them blaming ma ma mainly her. Right. Right. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I would say that that, is a, that was a brand endorsement, right? Mm -hmm. That was more than just a song use. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely a different level of sort of commitment that goes along with a brand endorsement than just them, someone using your song, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, I think that when artists uh, get paired with brands, then, then, yes, people are going to measure that, the, the relationship of the artist against the brand much closer mm -hmm. and sort of, you know, pick those sorts of things out. Yeah. Now, years ago, there used to be the, I remember uh, there was this idea that if you didn't know what to talk about in the jingle or in the ad, you would sing it. Uh, and that just became sort of a, a joke that either you'd be singing about Wesson Oil or you'd be singing about mopping or you'd be singing because you don't have 
you just don't have an idea or, or a clear, good, fresh idea. Um, are most of your ads today, are they mostly humorous? Um, I think the what I've found is that the ads that, that tend to be humorous don't use music quite as much. So the ads that I, that my artists, you know, songs are placed in tend to be, I don't, I don't want to use the word serious, but maybe like, you know, a, a very, you know, imagine any Apple spot, right? They're kind of cool and dynamic mm-hmm. and you see the product. They're not humorous, right? Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of more of the types of ads that you'll see uh, licensed music in, you know, mm-hmm. music that comes recorded, music that's already been recorded that they're going to license. Right. Um, and then if you, you notice, if you guys, you know, you go back and you watch a bunch of, you know, ads, um, you'll notice that the humorous ones tend to either not use music at all or they use some kind of, you know, com- again, composed instrumental that might just be like a few notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you get, uh, I guess, what's the process that, uh, that you need to complete to make sure your artist is willing to have his or her song in an advertisement? Yeah, so when um, an agency wants to use one of my artist's songs, they have to do two things. They have to come to me at the record label who owns the master rights to the song. Mm-hmm. And then they also have to, to clear what we call clear, clear the song with the publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, the publisher represents any songwriters. So sometimes when they need to clear a song, they only have to go to one place on the publishing side because there's only one writer. And sometimes there's eight writers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that means that they might have to go to five, six, seven, eight different publishers to, to clear the rights. Um, so I deal with the master side. So the request comes in to me um, and they will have a, a term how long they want to use the song um, could be one month, could be three, could be six months, could be a year, could be two years. Um, and then they have the, the mediums where they want to run their ad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they only ask for um, the right to run it on the Internet. Um, sometimes they want to use it on broadcast as well. Um, and then there's also a right called industrial that they ask for. And industrial is sort of, you know, at companies, events and meetings and, and things like that. Um, they can ask for in cinema rights. Uh, those are kind of like the main rights that they ask for. And then there's a, an amount, right, that they want to license it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I can either at that point take the request and go to the artist manager to get final approval if I think that everything in the agreement is kosher and looks fair to me. But there's definitely times where I go back to them and say, I don't think that's enough money. Um, you know, can we, can we do this instead? And I, and I try and get more money for it. Mm-hmm. Or I try, if, and sometimes they'll say, we don't have any more money. This is our whole budget. And then sometimes I try to kind of whittle down the other rights um, yeah. you know, like I had a, I had a situation where someone wanted to license a song for a holiday spot for, for, um, in December and they were only going to run it obviously for 
during, you know, the holidays, but they were asking for three months of rights to license the song. And I said, well, why don't we just narrow this down to one month? Because you're not going to run this in January and February anyway. It's, it's a Christmas ad. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's another way I can kind of help to make it less expensive for them and we can all work within their budget. I assume um, so, so yeah, so I get the I get the artist manager approval, and then we go back to them and send them an official quote that comes from us with all the terms and the money, and um, then they tell us that they want us to issue an official license. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assume sometimes that they just want to use the instrumental bed, and they're going to put different words over it. Yeah, sometimes they will use the instrumental only if they have a lot of VO in the spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if they change the words, then they have to go to the publisher. In that case, that wouldn't be Liz. Cause then, they can't change. I mean, yeah. I guess, yeah, if, they, if they're going to change the words to a song and make like a new cover of a song, then correct. That would be, they would be essentially mm-hmm. making a new master. Right. And mm-hmm. so I would not own, you know, Warner Brothers Records would not own that master. Right. Yeah, I was thinking of the case where they use the master instrumental and not the vocals, and then they put their pitch for the product. Oh, they just speak the words meaning... No, they put their pitch for the product, let's say it's a soap or something, mm-hmm. to that uh, bed that may be very pop, you know, very, mm-hmm. just very dis- distinct, such as uh, satisfaction or something like that. And some yeah, that hap- and that happens where they just use an instrumental of the song, um, and somebody once asked me, do they, ha- do they pay the same amount? Do they, do they get to pay less if they only use the instrumental? And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. What, what do you do? Because what you do, I did with the Universal Music Group for uh, eight years, not in sync, but um, in terms of putting together deals for like custom compilations on CD and downloading promotions and things with outside brands. Um, and I would get this a lot. What what do you do when a brand reaches out and says, listen, we don't have any budget for this, but we're going to give you great exposure, blah, 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 blah. Is that always a no? Or do you have to go to the manager? Do you have some um, no, obligation? I think, it's, I think it's everything is case by case, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, what is that exposure? Who is the artist? Is it an A-list artist or is it an artist that's developing and needs exposure? You know, so... Um, I think it just totally depends on on the situation. I think we we very rarely do a big promotion with a brand for no money, but um, you know when the situation is right um, and we feel like there's a fair exchange of marketing there, and you know we're benefiting from it as much as the band is benefiting from the brand is benefiting from associating with the artist. Then yeah, I think we're we're always kind of open to hear, you know, every idea. Did you talk about lead time? How much time you usually need in terms of getting the permissions to uh, license a song? And then obviously the publishing has to happen too. We used a a rule of thumb of three months. I don't know if you need that much time or you can do it in less. No, I mean, my deals are done. I mean, the video game stuff is done very much ahead of time because, you know, if they have a game coming out in September, they have to have their soundtrack finalized probably by July because they actually have to make a physical disc and 
you know, get it out to stores. I mean, that's like, that's a, that's a whole other thing. So that is definitely um, a lot of lead time with ads. Generally, the ad is completely shot, done, edited, everything. And then they add the music on as the very last thing. So I'm usually kind of, you know, getting my song in, I don't know, two weeks before the thing airs, a week before it airs, mm. you know, it's, it's very last minute. Wow. Yeah, I've read for Super Bowl commercials. I remember, uh, especially not this past year, but for Super Bowl 2017, um, I forget what label the person worked for, but he was talking about how um, it was 24 hours before the game and they were still finalizing songs for certain yeah. ads. Yeah, yeah, that definitely happens. And I'd say with Super Bowl, there is certainly much more planning ahead, uh, even when it comes to music. But there's just always those that happen where maybe they did plan ahead and then everything was going great. And then, you know, maybe at the last minute, one of the writers on the song denied it and they had to scramble and find another song. Mm. Mm. So so, uh, to get it cleared really quickly... Are, are there some artists and songs you know I can just say yes to? And are there a lot where you know I have to go get a manager to approve this or somebody else at the label to approve it? We get all, we get a management approval on all of our licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never want to do something without getting a manager's approval and knowing that the artist knows about it. Um, but I would say because... You know, I, I, I have great relationships with all, most of our artist managers, and I've worked with all of them for a very long time. I have a good gauge of what they will and won't say yes to. So I'm able to say to my clients, you know, yeah, this, this manager will never say yes to this, or, oh, yeah, they'll, I, I'm pretty sure they'll say yes to it. You know, so I'm able to kind of give them an indication, but uh, and in the end, I, I always go and get the manager's approval. Mm-hmm. And, and I would think if I'm a manager, you're a great person to get to know. <laughs> you, you know, if I'm managing some newer band, I'm going to find Liz Lewis and I'm going to mm-hmm. get on your good side and I'm going to pitch my band to you and hope that I'm, you know, a top of mind for you when you get these opportunities. Yeah, well, they do like when they get an ad sync because they tend to pay pretty well. Mm-hmm. So um, they they um, one one of my friends who does the same job as me said, I'm like you know I'm like the the uncle the like favorite uncle that you know they don't see me every day. I'm not like their publicist, you know, who's with them all the time. They don't see me every day, but like I show up every now and then and I give them money. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. So do you, um, the partnerships, what's the, probably one of the most creative that you can remember that you've done? Well, so I am, I sit inside the brand partnerships team here at Warner Brothers Records, um, but I, I focus on working with the brands in sync and, and licensing and use of music. Um, on the brand partnership side, there's uh, other people here that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I haven't done it personally, but, um, you know, right now I know my, uh, my boss, Lori has just been working on this amazing promotion with our artist Jason Derulo mm-hmm. and Coca-Cola um, for FIFA World Cup. And he actually wrote an original song for the 2018 
FIFA anthem mm. um, and made a music video, and um, it's going out all over the world. Coke is doing all of these amazing promotions all over the world, and they're having we're having different artists that are really big in their own countries, you know, like Brazil or um, Russia. Yeah. A lot of artists that y- y- we've probably never heard of, but that are very big in their respective countries, um, doing features on Jason Derulo's song just for that market. Um, so there's a lot of um, really cool um, extensions, and it's very global. Mm. Is there still the Cola Wars? Used to be Brittany against uh, Christina and Whitney and and so on in the 90s. Uh, that And I think Ray Charles, too, that it got to the point where you would say uh, a name like Brittany and then people would have to think if, it, think if it was Coke or Pepsi. And we would talk about that in class, that um, asking this, the just uh, the students if it was worth it, do you think? Uh, because people really had to stop and think whether it was Coke or Pepsi. I don't think there's the, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I I definitely remember that. Um, you know, I would say, I don't think there's that as much anymore, but you know, there's definitely competition obviously among major brands in the same category, right? So we call categories, you know, like auto is a category or beauty is a category Mm -hmm. or beverage or alcoholic beverage. Um, and so I think, you know, amongst the categories, obviously there's competition. And so, um, if you work with Coke, you're probably not going to work with Pepsi. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned, um, pay range earlier are, can you give any sort of indication because we have a lot of between diy artists and diy managers and things um what the range is in terms of what you get for like an advertising sync or for a video game deal how what the sway it's is hard to give a range i mean it really is just a total range because so it's hard to even give you an indication because it completely depends on the amount of time they're asking for the license for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they're going to be putting the ad as far as broadcast internet, how big the artist is, how big the song is, all of those things sort of help us determine what the price is. So, you know, it could be a thousand dollars or it could be a million dollars, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just completely ranges depending on whatever combination of all those factors. And that million would be, in, from your perspective, just for the master rights, and there'd be obviously other budget going for the publishing. Yeah, and I would mm-hmm. say, like, I mean, personally, I've never had a million dollars just for the master deal. We've had, you know, $500,000 aside, where it's a million dollars total. Um, but um, I would say, that, you know, that's definitely for sort of like, you know, probably a very recognizable catalog mm-hmm. track from the eighties or, you know, something, something like that, or, or something that's just a really universally humongous modern, you know, pop hit. Do the sync deals usually pay the same amount for the master and for the publishing? Yes. Yes. We call that, we call that MFN most favored nation oh, good. Oh, okay. and all of our deals uh, are MFN and um, so that way we make sure that when we're quoting a price, we always say that it's MFN with publishing. And that's kind of our insurance to make sure that we're not quoting a price and then they give, you know, let's say a better price to right. the publisher. Sure. What if there are eight publishers uh, and it's 
getting down to crunch time and your division, you know, it's the end of the quarter and you guys need to hit a number and there's that, you know, uh, let's say $120,000 deal hanging out and you're waiting for that one publisher of five to sign off on this and they're not responding or the person isn't saying anything. Do you ever pick up the phone and try and push that along or that's not your place? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not my job to clear the publishing. It is the agency or the brand's job to get that clearance because that's a completely separate company from us. Mm -hmm. We don't own the publishing. But if, you know, the publishing clearance is causing a hindrance to my master clearance, mm -hmm. then I absolutely can get very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. And if it's if it's Warner Chapel, they're in the same building, so you could always oh, yeah. run those upstairs. Guys my, those guys are my friends. And honestly, yeah. you know, even the other publishing companies, um, you know, Universal and Sony ATV, I mean, I have friends at, at all of those places because we all are in the same circle in the business and we see each other a lot and all we work with all the same clients. So, um, yeah, most of them are, are my friends and I can, you know, put in a very friendly phone call and just maybe ask, you know, and sometimes it's not them. Sometimes it's, you know, the manager or the writer or something and, you know, just get some insight from them on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, do you do anything with uh, Warner Brother artists for product endorsement? Yeah, so um, I would say that there's definitely product endorsement deals. I, you know, they, they tend to nowadays, they tend to be, you know, really big artists, like you're mentioning, like JLo, you know, or like Justin Timberlake or sort of artists at that echelon. So they're not, uh, they don't happen, um, very often. Uh, we do on a smaller scale, a lot more with artists that will, um, you know, do social posts about a certain brand or, or something like that. Um, again, it's not what I do particularly, but yes, people on my team, you know, work on that stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jaden has some questions for you. Okay. 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 So one of my questions I had was when you're dealing with sync deals with certain partnerships and whatnot and certain brands, like how many times out of like all those sync deals, do you like really get a brand that's like, super stoked about the deal they loved it and they keep going back to you and then eventually develops into like a brand partnership for warner brothers um i would say that there's definitely repeat business that happens from certain agencies um like anything i think if people like working with you and found the experience to be, you know, easy and that you were helpful, they're going to come back to you. Right. Um, so that's definitely no matter what job I've had in the music industry, whether it was this job or the job that I've done prior, um, that's always been my motto is to be, you know, the to serve my clients as best as I possibly can to super serve them so that they always want to come back to me. Um, and so I think that's true here, but I think that's true with, with most anything, um, with most any job. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as a sync developing into a brand partnership, um, I, it happens rarely, um, but it does happen. And it happens rarely because of the sort of segmented way everything is broken up. So I deal with an ad agency most of the time mm -hmm. that's making, they've been char they've been hired by the brand 
to make a creative piece about, you know, whatever product or service or whatever the brand's trying to convey. Um, and that is their job to make the best creative that they can possibly make. And hopefully that includes one of my songs. Mm. Um, they are not, they don't work on brand partnerships. They're only hired by the brand to make an ad. Okay. So, um, it's, so if, um, perchance the brand really fell in love with the song, um, from the spots and then maybe got to meet the artist somehow because of something, maybe, yeah, maybe they would fall in love with the artist and then want to work on a brand partnership. Um, we had an artist, uh, named Spencer Ludwig who I placed one of his songs in a target campaign last year. And it was a really amazing campaign, and he plays the trumpet um, mm -hmm. in addition to singing, and they wanted him to be in the ad. So he was at the shoot. It was a full-day shoot. Um, he, he ended up being in about, like, uh, exactly one second of the 30-second ad. <laughs> um, but, but he was there all day at the shoot, and all of the Target executives were there, and not only did they hear the song over and over because they kept playing it as the shoot was happening, so they sort of fell in love with the song while they were there, and then um, they fell in love with Spencer as well. Um, so we went on, we booked him at this Target event in New York during New York Fashion Week that they had, and um, did, a, did a few other cool things with Target. Um, so, so it can happen. Um, but I would say it's, it's rare. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if we move to the, um, the Clio's and that's the award for, I guess, outstanding advertisement. Uh, we see here that you're on the music use jury or you're a juror yeah. for yeah. music use juries. Um, how important is a winning a Clio? for the, let's say, for the uh, brand itself? Yeah, um, so it's usually the agencies that enter the, their work the, to the Clios, mm -hmm. and it's very, it's very important to the agencies. Um, it's sort of, um, you know, it's, it's their way of being able to be judged by all of their peers, and if, you know, you come out of there with an award, um, it's, it's very prestigious because, you know, it's been, it's been awarded this, um, accolade by all of their peers and it also helps them stand out as an agency mm -hmm. that makes really compelling and creative work, which thereby hopefully gets them more business from, from new brands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if you're on a jury... Because you're on what's called the use of music jury, which you can explain what that, the difference between that and the other jury in a moment. But if you're on a jury, do you ever have to recuse yourself if there's a Warner, uh, Warner Brothers music artist involved in an advertisement? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, we get all of the work that we, we, we watch. We basically just watch a bunch of advertisements um, to judge this. And um, I... If, if one of my, you know, an ad with one of my songs pops up, I am supposed to, uh, yes, there's like a, you know, there's a whole voting system, but I'm supposed to kind of, there's like a box you can click if you just want to opt out. So I'm supposed to, I have to opt out if my song is in the spot. 
Okay. And so, again, you're on the use of music jury, and there's also a different jury, uh, which is the, um, uh, the, there's also the music marketing group jury. Can you kind of explain the difference between the two and how, and how you also got onto one of these juries? Yeah, so the use of music jury is is judging uses of music in in advertisements. Um, so everything from um, you know a licensed song like you know we've been talking about that I do to original compositions. Um, Maybe, um, you know, you guys mentioned the word jingle. Maybe it's a jingle, but maybe it's an an instrumental that's really powerful. Um, Maybe it's, you know, a a group of kids singing in a choir. I mean, it could be be anything. So, um, you know, we watch all, and, and, you know, there's a lot of music in advertising. So, um, there's a, there's a ton of work that we watch, um, and, and, listen and watch the the use of music and then um the marketing side of music would be more sort of in the realm of like a brand partnerships um where uh it's it's um you know an activation that a brand did maybe on an artist's tour um something you know just some cool integration with an artist or like what I just mentioned with Jason Derulo and FIFA, um, you know, just a, a bigger overall sort of marketing campaign or stunt with an artist and a brand. Interesting. And is by being a member of the jury, like you're the only label person on a jury, does it just rotate year to year this year, somebody from Warner brothers next year, somebody from say Interscope the following year, somebody from RCA or how did you get become part there's of this? There's some other label people. I think there's somebody from RCA. There's somebody from Atlantic records. Um, but yeah, they, they rotate the jury every year. Um, and I think they try to get uh, fresh people in. Um, I think that at the Clio's they, you can be on the jury a couple times. I think they allow you to repeat. But, yeah, I think every year they try to freshen it up. And it's um, is it something you get paid to do, or is it sort of a service that you're doing, and it just looks really good on your resume, one of those things? <laughs> I do not get paid yeah. to do it. Um, no, but, yeah, I think it's really um, – I see it as a great opportunity. Um, it's, you know, I see a lot of ads, and I pay attention to all the ads that are coming out. But there are ads being made all over the world, and they and they enter the Clio's, um, and um, it's really cool to get to see some of the best of the best of the best work from the past year, uh, you know, of ads that I haven't seen. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity for me to be able to see all of this work. And then um, it's also a great opportunity. I think this year there's definitely people on the jury that. I have never met, so I also see it as a great networking opportunity for me. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the other thing I was thinking is the whole networking part of it. Now you can meet even more people, which mm-hmm. is yeah. cool. And then if, I, if I'm a one, let's say I did an ad for our Music Biz 101 and More radio show, and I did, it was just a YouTube-only ad, and I wanted to get a Clio for that. Um, I could, but I just have to have the funding to actually enter my ad in for an award is that how it works yeah how the the uh, big oh, these big award uh, words work is that you 
pay per entry. Mm-hmm. So the Clio's is an example of that, and then also the Can Lion, which is the um, another advertising award that takes place in Can in June. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jaden would like to read a tweet question for you. So we have a tweet from one of our students, Gabriel, and he says, as much as I love Target and Ghost Recon, I will assume that not every artist wants to be part of those campaigns. That being said, how have you been able to balance artists' creative integrity with the opportunities available to maximize exposure? Um, I don't ask my artists, you know, I don't bring opportunities to my artists that I feel are horrible. (laughs) Um, With that said... There are some times when I have an opportunity for a song to be in an ad and an artist does not like the brand or maybe doesn't like the creative of the ad. Um, There's a lot of things. Um, And honestly, I don't push it Mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Um, I feel like it would be a bad situation if I were to push an artist into doing something that they weren't comfortable with from the beginning. And then, um, you know, it shows up on the air and they really freak out or something. (laughs) Um, You know, I think I try to find out what the concerns are. Mm -hmm. If the concerns are something where I feel like, oh, they just don't, they actually don't understand what it is. And I feel like I can explain it to them. I'll do that. But if their concerns are, you know, I had an artist turn down um, being in a certain uh, auto brand spot, having their song in the spot because there was a lot of controversy with um, that particular brand at the time, mm-hmm. and they didn't want their song associated with that. And I can't argue with that, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. that was a fact. Mm-hmm. And if that is how the artist feels about it, then I just have to move on. Right. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Stipe, who was the lead singer for REM, I don't think you have the REM catalog anymore, do you? No, no, yeah, but uh, we, they were they were on Warner Brothers for a very long time. Right, and I think historically he was somebody very against uh, licensing his music for advertising. He thought it was, you know, the whole selling out kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's definitely was the feeling, I think, for a very long time amongst a lot of artists. And that was a time also when artists were making a lot more money from record sales, exactly. too, right? Yeah. So. Um, I think now it's actually, it can be a great revenue source for artists um, where, you know, maybe it's, it's, they don't have revenue coming in from somewhere else uh, at the moment. And then I also think that a lot of artists now see it also as, you know, a way to sort of get their music out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to get your music out there nowadays. Um, but um, I think that among the sort of newer artists and the younger set of artists, it's definitely more generally accepted to put your music into ads. Um, but yeah, we, we, we definitely see more of sort of that feeling with artists of REM and the like. Okay. There has to be that believability mm-hmm. that, you know, that the artist is really connected somewhat to this product, even if you're just using the master and not the artists themselves. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think definitely if an artist is, is engaging with a product that it should be something that, um, you know, that they are, that they feel okay about um, and that they maybe use. Um, but I think, like, when it comes to their music, I don't think they necessarily have to. Um, 
but if it's a brand that they just feel very strongly about, then yeah, sometimes they just don't want their music. Just they just don't want any part of them anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that that happens so rarely these days, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another tweet for you. And this one would be from Melanie as she asks, is the music used to advertise video games chosen according to the story of the game or the target market specified for that game? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say they try probably try to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of video games are you know, marketed to men. Um, and so I think that you know, you'll see that in there, there's not a lot of, you know, and then there's, there's not a lot of video games that have a bunch of pop music in them, right? Right. Um, except for maybe a video game like Just Dance, mm-hmm. um, which is marketed, you know, which is more female driven. Um, so I think that they definitely consider who is buying the game in their music choice. And then they go from there and choosing the music that, that sort of fits with what, what's, what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Another one for you. And this is from Tall Guy. I don't know if he even has a name on here. Uh, <laughs> he asked, would you have any advice in regards to advertising for up-and-coming underground artists? I think it's really hard because when you're signed to either a publisher or a label, whether it's, you know, a major label like us or even an indie label, a lot, you know, a lot of the indie labels have all the same, you know, sort of contacts that I do as well. Um, we're constantly in touch with these agencies. You know, they know us, we're, we're friends with the music supervisors agencies. They're reaching out to us. I'm reaching out to them. Um, and so I know what to pitch, when to pitch it and what, what stuff they're working on. Um, I think if you're not, sort of in that mix and knowing what to send, you could have, you know, even if you got a hold of some email addresses of some music supervisors, um, you know, you could send them stuff. And, you know, if you are in a, you know, rock band and you send it to them and they're right now working on stuff, they're looking for hip hop, you know, you're not going to know what they're, what they're working on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think it's really difficult, but I would say that, um, I know a lot of music supervisors look on SoundCloud and Spotify, and um, there's a lot of different music blogs out there that um, that they go on and they look at and see what the blogs are talking about. So I would just say anything that you can do to get your music out there, whether it's on Spotify or SoundCloud, and get it attention, you know, on any even smaller music blogs mm-hmm. that music supervisors are definitely looking at that stuff. Yeah, because I mean, I've heard stories too about how like an artist would pitch a song to a music supervisor. They love it, but they're not going to place anything until like a year or two until they find the, the right campaign to put it in. And sometimes the artist thinks they're getting ignored, but it's just a matter of they got to find the right piece of work to put that music to. Yeah, of course. I mean, a music supervisor can love something personally and and even want to champion it, but until their client has you know the type of creative that would fit that music, they can, they kind of can't. Their hands are tied. Mm-hmm. We had a unique uh, placement here. I'm thinking back in the '90s. It was an unknown band from uh, the university here, and they wound up getting on a. Uh, it was a movie, 
and they were in a scene in the kitchen and the little kitchen radio was on and that was their song on the little kitchen radio and they got that placement mm -hmm. which i thought was just like <laughs> you know very unique and and did you say did they know about it or they didn't know about oh it? they knew about it yeah they pitched oh, okay. they 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 found a supervisor that liked them et cetera et cetera yeah, like I said, it's it is it's totally possible, and I I think that getting your music out there to sort of be discovered um, as you would for anything, right? Just as you're trying to get your music discovered, um, that music supervisors are definitely looking, and um, you know they're always looking for new stuff. Um, I I would say that in your MP3s, um, what helps if some if one of your mp3s gets in the hands of a music supervisor um you want it to have the right metadata um which is you know the information that's sort of included in the file of the song um something you know any kind of tags that you can give your song um if there, you know, like I was saying, is there is there a guitar in it? Is it bluesy? Is it dramatic? Is it atmospheric? Is it omnimus? You know, ominous? Is it acoustic? Um, mm -hmm. Is it driving? Does it have a swagger? Et cetera, et cetera. So any of those keywords that you can put in the metadata of your song, um, when a music supervisor, if for some, if it gets into their library, a lot of times they'll search those terms, you know, and um, if your song has metadata in it, it's much more likely to come up in their search. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Good yeah, tip. Yeah, and we had a pop artist who got, um, we have a pop program here as well, and uh, a grad who, they found her song on Spotify, um, and she got it placed on NCIS or whatever, Miami uh -huh. or something, a year or mm -hmm. so ago. So, yeah, they just found her just by looking. You know, yeah, people, that so. that definitely happens. And it even happens, honestly, with my music. I mean, for as much as I send my music to people, then they'll just say, like, oh, the producer found it on Spotify. You know? <laughs> wow. Well, we're happy that we found you and that you called in. So thank you so much for all the time you spent because we're out of the time. Oh, all right. Well, it was fun. Very quickly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was, this was a great one. This is one of those that you need to listen back to mm -hmm. a number of times because you uh, this is chock full of meat. He yes. gave us he gave us a full meal, Liz Lewis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so thank you for that. So let's give Liz Lewis a hand. <laughs> She's so great. Liz, so great. And uh, hopefully we get to see you again soon. And, and thank you so much, Liz. Okay, thank you guys. Take Appreciate care. Have it. a great night. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. So we go. That was very good. That was yes. One of our very uh, informative. One of our best ones. Yeah. I mean, there was there were more questions we could have asked. So that was yes. a good one. There was no. There were no. Uh, I don't know what to ask and looking at each other. So there's and, another job that's fairly unique. Mm -hmm. It's not A&R, not radio promotion. It's not business affairs. It's placing master recordings right. in advertisements and games. And it's sort of A&R because you're helping choose songs for... It's a different... You're not, yeah. you're not picking artists, but you're choosing songs for right. a brand. It's a different type no, of A&R. Right. So. You're in music. Yeah, yeah. So you it's know, cool. Yeah. And you're deal-making, and you're talking yeah. to managers, and you're making money, and you're right. affecting artists' careers. That's really cool. So well, hopefully we've affected uh, Ashley Weltner's career positively because she was our engineer. Thank you, Ashley, very much for helping us out.
Thank you, Jaden Harding. We hope you get that MBA in spring of 19, 2019, that is. And Liz Lewis remembers you. Yes, we hope Liz Lewis remembers you. I will. Yes, so uh, are you connected to her on LinkedIn? No, but I'm going to do that tonight. That probably. is your next thing. And then send a note and say uh, that, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay, <laughs> you're going to get your thank you stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get a job there. No problem. Right. And then we should thank uh, you, Dr. Esteban Marconi. Yes, well, thank you. And, of course, my co-host, whose name escapes me right now. It, ex- it escapes him with an with right. an E-X. And so, who's on next week? Next week. Our guest is from Royalty, is it Royalty Exchange? Um, yes, uh, Royalty Exchange, the Director of Communications, and Tony Bruno. The mm-hmm. week after that, Jonathan Kane, the keyboard player from Journey, who's also written songs like Don't Stop Believing" and yep. Who's Crying Now? And Rob Fusari is going to join us Great. for that because he wants to talk. Then Celine Boab from 300 Entertainment. Mm-hmm. After that, Dave Laurie, who wrote the book uh, about Jeff Buckley. So we got a lot going on. Right. So at the end of every show, we don't say hello. That's stupid because it's the end of the show. No, at the end of every show, we say, Adios!